Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. taking over the Wellmont Theater in Montclair. Ladies, we're just gonna take over. We're gonna just reach all the women of New Jersey one day. And we're gonna take this message of resilient woman and we're just gonna, I don't know, we're, there's such an attack on both the masculinity and the femininity and we're just gonna bring it back for the glory of God. We're gonna take the strength of men, the strength of womanhood, and we're gonna bring it to God in glory and that's what Resilient Woman and 252 Men is all about. It's redeeming the identity that God has placed each inside of all of us, amen? Amen. Well, I have a word for you, so why don't we get right into it. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. I'm currently doing a study on the book of Ephesians, so I invite you to join me. So today, we're going to do a Bible study together. Is that cool? I love teaching, so it's going to be a good time. Let's read. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you're here. Father, thank you that you've adopted us and you love that. Lord, that you created us for an opportunity to be in relationship with you so that we can know you and experience your goodness. We welcome you in this place, those who are online, those who are sitting in overflow. God, I pray your blessing and your touch. Lord, I pray that your spirit would so manifest during this time that your people would understand your word and let it become a seal upon their heart. Father, would you help me help your people? Would you help me shepherd your people this morning? Lord, we bring you glory. We bring you praise in Jesus' name. And the church alive said, amen. amen. You can see, have a seat. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but uh, a few weeks ago, I heard about something just from various different ways. I don't watch the news because I refuse to be a pawn to the narrative of all the different news outlets. You just never know what they're trying to sell. You don't know what they're trying to spin. I feel like they're all trying to lie to you. So I don't listen. I don't even listen on social media to news. It's all muted. It's glorious, actually. I live better life because of it. I don't like the news. but. Something a few weeks ago hit our country really hard, and, and hopefully some of you have heard about it, but on the football field, a young man, 24-year-old safety for the Buffalo Bills, Damar Hamlin, suffered a medical emergency. Anybody heard about this story? Okay, yes, we have some football fans in the house, amen. And so it was pretty wild, and we're gonna see in a moment a little clip of what happened and the response of the team. And why I think it's interesting is how the team, in that moment, the game did not matter. In that moment, 
Someone in their family went down and all you saw on that field was either prayers being said, teammates crying, coaches freaking out, people mouthing things, medical experts running there doing CPR on Damar. We later find out he's in critical condition, I think in a coma for a few days. He is alive, he is well, praise God. But what I thought was interesting is what happened across our country, especially those of us who follow football. Something happened that was very rare, that has been rare for the last, I don't know, decade in our nation. There was a unity that has been so far-fetched in our country that came through this life of number three on Buffalo Bills. It was incredible to see the team rally as a family. It was incredible to see the team wanting to protect. There's a moment, and we're gonna see it, where the team just puts a circle around Tamara as he's getting CPR because they don't want the media to capture that intimate private moment. It's incredible to see the support, the meals, the prayers that happened throughout that week to DeMar's family and the people who were outside that hospital singing worship songs, praying. It was wild to see football teams across the country taking a knee for God, praying for healing, praying for deliverance for his life, for healing. And I want us to take a look and I want us to feel the weight of what it felt like being a family member on that team that day. Well, you can see that the ambulance is out there on the field and they are intensely working on DeMar Hamlin. Medical personnel have been working on Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin. The entire Bill's team is out on the field right now. Several players are down on their knees. Other players are holding hands, praying. You can just see the worried looks uh, on their faces. I mean, I probably cried 200 times watching this. And it goes longer and there's a lot more detail to it. But then the interesting thing is the next day, we see an ESPN anchor on national television pray for DeMar. We don't see this anymore in our nation. It's interesting because actually there's been coaches who've been fired for praying on the field. Now suddenly we have football teams all across the nation praying in the name of Jesus for DeMar. Now take a look at what happened on ESPN. Um. Football gave me everything, you know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm -hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers, and you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him, and I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say, like, we believe in prayer, and maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want to, it's just on my heart that I want to pray for It is. Damar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God, and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry. Um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. Truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 National television. I love it.
It was just incredible to watch something like this and various things like this happen throughout that week. What was incredible to me, though, was to see how this team rallied like a family because they decided they were family. It was incredible to the way this family protected him, the way they were united, the way they took responsibility as a family to pray, to support, to love their teammate. It was incredible to watch, and I couldn't help but compare as I was watching this in real time to what we as the church are called to be, God's family. So the person next to you were called to be God's family. And see, being God's family is an incredible honor, and it was bought with a very high price. It was the price of the blood of Jesus. Every last bit of it was spilled for you and I so that we would have our adoption papers signed to be in his family. But with it comes great responsibility. So today we're going to talk about who's in the family of God, how do we get adopted in there, what does God say about his family, and what's the role or the part we play in the family of God. So real quickly, number one, how do we get adopted into the family of God? John chapter 1 verse 12 says, but to all who believed, can you say believed? believed. Him and accepted him. Can you say accepted him? He gave them the right to become children of God. He who believed and accepted him. The Bible tells us that if we believe with our heart and confess with our mouth that he is Lord, we are saved. This is what it takes to become a child of God. You see, there's nothing you could have done to earn the salvation and the grace that we receive. See, it's not about the rosary beads that you pray to. It's not about the Hail Marys. It's not about your parents or grandparents' faith. It's simply saying yes to Jesus and then receiving the gift of salvation. You couldn't earn it. There's a song called Reckless Love, and there's this great part in the song that says, I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Who knows it? Now you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Come on, can we put our hands together? There is nothing we didn't earn it, we don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. We couldn't earn this place in the family. Think about children who are adopted day in and day out. They didn't earn the adoption, but someone chose them. Someone went there and picked them. They were chosen. We were chosen by God to be in his family. What does it mean to be adopted in God's family? It means we are now co-heirs with Christ, sharing in his inheritance. In Romans chapter 8, verses 17, it says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings. Can I pause there on sufferings? Those of us who think that just because we come to Christ, we are devoid of sufferings, have not read the Bible. Here is the thing. We will go through sufferings. We will have things that won't make sense. We will experience loss. We will have disappointment. I mean, it tells me that from cover to cover. I'm always surprised at people who get mad at God when things don't go their way, but he warns us it won't always go his, our way. But he says, but trust me, I'm God. You don't see the end from the beginning. Yeah, you know, there's this musical 
called Annie. Anyone grow up watching Annie? It's hard not like boys. I don't even know how it goes, something like that. But it contains a powerful illustration of what this picture of being adopted in God's family. You see, Annie was a part of an orphanage, and the, the center, the, the director of that orphanage was a cruel, negligent, alcoholic, abusive caretaker. And one day this person came and they picked Annie because she was a bit of a troublemaker and she was really cute. And, and they're like, you know, we want to take her for a day to come and hang out in the mansion with, with uh, Mr. Warbucks. And, and she came and she experienced all of this incredible fortune. And suddenly at the end, we see that she gets adopted by a good father. And now she has all this fortune at her disposal. Yes, she did have a part of her life that was a hard knock life. It was part of her story, but it was not the end of her story. There will be parts of your Christian walk seasons. There will be, sometimes it'll feel like years of just like, what is this wilderness that I'm still in? I want to tell you, stay with the Father. There is protection with the Father. Can I tell you something? You may be like, but you don't know. I've been serving the Lord. You don't know, Pastor Miriam. Stay with the Father. Let me tell you why. Because the Father and what he's done and what he's given for us, eternity, this inheritance, is greater than any status, any bank account, anything that you could want or have lost. He is our exceedingly great reward. When Abraham was, was, was going through his season with the Lord, God looked at him and said, but Abraham, I'm your exceedingly great reward. It's not about the thing you think you really need to have. It's not about the thing that perhaps hurt when you lost it. But it is God. He's the reward. His presence, his peace is the reward. Eternity with the Father, that is the reward. Why stay with God? He's the reward. His life, his life, his inheritance, his goodness, his faithfulness. He's the reward. I can't imagine my life when I went through several things, the loss of my 18-year-old nephew, when I've gone through so many different things in my life, it was on my knees that I survived and thrived on my knees because I can try to run to the world, but the world will keep leaving me empty. You and I, before being adopted into the family of God, our only eternal inheritance was an eternity without God. Hear that. Sometimes we put our emphasis, our focus on the things that are temporary. Oh God, you didn't do this for me. God, you didn't do that for me. These are temporary things we don't bring with us anyway. And we put our focus on that, but we forget that our only eternal inheritance before coming into the family of God was an eternity without him. So many of us are disappointed because we focus on the temporary and we forget we weren't created for this life. We were created for him for all eternity. This life is just a moment and an opportunity to receive him and to bring him glory. This life he has given us is an opportunity to become his family and invite others to be adopted into his family. Because it is in eternity that we receive all of the spiritual blessings, all of the things that he has prepared for us. He is storing for us an eternal destination called heaven. 
In this life, we've been given access, though, to the spiritual and eternal inheritance. It's not just in heaven that we'll experience all of God's goodness. We get to experience, we get to taste and see that God is good here and now. This spiritual inheritance is the forgiveness of sins. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty big one. The righteousness of Christ. Here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I need the mercy and grace of Jesus every single day, especially on the turnpike. Praise the Lord. I guess you guys are feeling me too. Oh, those Jersey drivers. Help them, Lord. Oh, those crazy people. All the crazy people that you died for. Anyway, okay. The truth is, that we all need his grace and mercy every day, but he puts on the cloak of righteousness so that when we come before God, God doesn't see us on the parkway. He sees us with the coat of righteousness, but please behave on the parkway. This is not a license to not behave on the parkway. But I'm trying to say is we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ on this side of eternity. He sees us and he rewards us and he crowns his sons and daughters. That is our spiritual inheritance. We are given access to come boldly to him in prayer. We are given authority through the name of Jesus to pray for the sick, to drive out demons, to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. His presence, oh my word, his presence is our inheritance. Can we get that in our spirit? We put our attention on things, sometimes even on people, and people's great. People are great, but we make idols out of relationships. We make idols out of careers. We make idols out of so many things, but we do not realize what has been given to us. It is his presence. And how powerful, how healing, how glorious, how incredible is the presence of the almighty king. And we take it for granted, but he's worthy of our praise. Our spiritual inheritance is eternal life. Colossians 1.12 says, In giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. You know, so many of us set our sights on earthly successes because we've been conditioned to think that this life is all that there is to live for. Well, if he doesn't show up at this time, by this time, then he must not be God. Who put the stars in the sky? Who drew the line in the ground to say sand or or ocean, you stop here? Who put the sun and the moon? And who do we think we are to tell God? Who does he think he is? Who do we think we are? He's God. He created everything. And he's given us an inheritance. I'm not mad at you, I'm just, you know, I'm just moving along. Sorry, I just had a moment. I just love God so much and it breaks my heart when people take his grace for granted. I've done it before too. Some of us, our prayers are small and lack faith because we have forgotten we're God's family and we're co-heirs in his kingdom. Some of us, sometimes our prayers have been big and have been full of faith when not delivered how and when we want or perhaps not delivered at all. So our faith hurts, our faith grows cold, and we become indifferent because we haven't yet learned that our God can make beauty out of ashes. 
Let me remind you, he can make all things work together for good. Let me remind you that what we see here in the temporary is not the same thing he sees in the eternal. Trust his decisions. Trust his timing. Trust what he gives. And this will be a hard one for some to swallow. Trust what he takes away. Big prayers. Believe with big faith, but you must trust how and what he delivers, even if it doesn't make sense sometimes. We learned last week when Jesus himself was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed and he said to God, God, can you do this a different way? Can you deliver this mission of yours a different way? Because it's going to hurt God. It's going to be really, you know, obviously painful. It's a cross here. There's going to be nails and a crown of thorns. And, 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 and he had a moment where he's like, God, can you do it differently? And what an honest moment. How many times have we asked God, God, can you please do this differently? Can you please hurry up? Can you please send that or send this? Can you please open this? Can you? And we don't understand why, what, how, when, where, but he's God. And we can trust him even when it doesn't make sense. Our faith in Jesus is so much more than just the blessings we can be given in this life. And I think we forget that because we forget how much we've been saved from. We were a slave to sin. We were a slave to the devil himself. Every time we choose disobedience to God, we're obeying the devil himself. Some of us, we don't realize how dead we are. We think, well, you know what? He didn't do what I want, so I'm going to go and I'm going to do whatever I want. And you think that's you being free? Friend, you're being a slave to sin. You're being a slave to the devil right now. Anytime you choose the opposite of what God's purpose is for you, you're just enslaving yourself to the ways of the world. You think you're free? Actually, you're bound. And trust me, I know, the amount of people we see delivered in this church, it is real. Ephesians 2, 1 through 2 literally says this. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. But I love what Galatians 4, 7 says. It says, you are no longer a slave but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. As God's family, we have a seat at his table. We're not beggars at his door. As God's son and daughter, you have a seat at his table. He's invited you to feast from his goodness. But Pastor Miriam, I don't feel like God is good. Why? Because your things that you idolize sometimes didn't come when you wanted? He is good. He is peace. He is joy. You know how I know? Because in the moments of my deepest grief, in the moments of my greatest pain, in the moments of my greatest trials, he showed up in peace for me. He showed up in joy for me. He showed up. Oh my gosh. He's so much more than these idols we put our trust in. We get that in our spirit. I'm for you today. But it breaks my heart to see people put their trust in 
statuses and bank accounts and careers, even whether they have children or not. I grieve with you in your losses. I grieve with you in your pain. But God is so much more. He's all. He's everything. Some of us are waiting on the front stoop of God's house and just sitting out there waiting to get in, but he's already bought your ticket inside. And you're there like, please, please. And he's like, what are you talking about? There's a seat at the table for you. Come feast with me. Come experience me. Come and taste and see that I am good. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. It is the spirit of God. It is his goodness. It is his power. It is his provision. Can we stop putting our trust in things? Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Since we've been given full access as his family into this kingdom, we've been given full access into this righteousness, into this peace, into this joy. We've been given full access. Hear that again. You've been given full access into the kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? It is his domain. It's the way he does things. It's the way he's established things. And in his kingdom and as his family, we're called to kingdom living. Kingdom living is doing things God's way. Kingdom life is the life of the spirit. Kingdom life is the opposite life of the world. It's spirit over flesh. It's life over death. In kingdom living, you live by dying. You receive by giving. You are free by submitting. You are exalted by going low and by humbling yourself. You are made great by being a servant. You are first by being last. It's the opposite. The math in heaven doesn't add up like the math in the world. The difference between kingdom living and worldly living is we can dance upon disappointment. He turns ashes into beauty. He turns our mourning into dancing. Oh, that's kingdom living. It doesn't make sense, but God's kingdom doesn't make sense. When we try to understand everything in the kingdom, we look like fools because he's God, we're not. So why would we understand? Why would we understand everything? Then that means God would be little like us. Our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our paths are not his paths. Stop making God small. How do we live within this family as God's family? When I think of Demar Hamlin's story, when I think about how this team rallied around him, you see they were a football team, but really they were a family. Because if they didn't care, care about their brother, if they hadn't done the work together, if they hadn't sweated together, if they didn't have some losses together, if they didn't have some meals together, when he fell on that field, they'd be like, come on, bro, get up. We got a game to win. But no, they were crying on that field for Damar. They were praying on that. I bet you some atheists were praying for Damar in that field. It's funny how many atheists turn to God when they really need him. How do we live within this family? I don't know how it is in your family, but in my family, we have family rules. And my kids know them real well. 
Anybody have family rules in your family? If you don't, get them. They're amazing. In our family rules, we say this. In the Fleming household, we have family rules and we follow them. And if you don't, you're in trouble. <laughs> we protect the family. My kids know we, they have each other's back. If anything goes down in school, you have full permission to take someone out. <laughs> full permission. True story. Someone messes with you? Just kidding. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what we believe about that. I'm just going to let you just have an imagination, okay? In other words, my kids know no one messes with our family. We have grace for each other. Whenever one of our kids maybe has a game loss or whatever, like our family, our kids know you go and encourage your brother, you go and encourage your sister. We have grace for each other. We know we're not perfect. There's times, oh man, I had a moment. I had a failure. I, ugh, I, I failed big time about a month or two ago. Super stressful morning. You know, kids go to school a bit far from our home and, and my daughter wanted, you know, her hair a certain way and I was stressed and I literally yelled at her over like hair. And she was like, mommy. And I was like, what am I doing? I remember call, she left and she was going to school with Anthony and I called her and I said, Rachel, I am so sorry. I'm so, so that was so much less than what I should be doing as a mother. And she's like, mommy, that's okay. You had a bad morning. Like, no, no, no. That is not acceptable behavior, and you need to know I am sorry. When she came home, we hugged it out, and then we had a great pillow talk before bed that night. But you're gonna have moments of failure. You need to have grace for each other. In our family, we celebrate each other. We have meals with each other. We have non-negotiable. We do a minimum of four to five nights dinner, even if they have sports, even whatever. It doesn't matter what time it is, we eat together. We speak the same language. There's certain things that my son like picks up right now because you know kids, 14, they, they have this weird language. Like he said something in the car yesterday and thank God for Yasmin because even though she's like 29, she's still like, you know, 15 in the way she talks. Like, and I say that respectfully, meaning like she just knows how the kids talk these days. And he's on the phone with his friend and he said something and I was like, what, what, is, what, what did you just say? He's like, oh, I asked him to come over. I'm like, so just say that. Like, do you want to come over instead of whatever strange code language you just used? But with my family and with our kids, I'm often saying like, hey, we don't speak like that. We don't talk like that. We don't say that about that person like that. We don't shake a person's hand and look away. No, you shake them firmly. You look them in the eye. You respect authority. You respect our elders. We have rules in our family. They have chores. Praise the Lord for chores. Chores are amazing. I love chores, it's glorious. Now when friends come over for dinner, I'm like, kids, clean up. It's glorious. Cause I just have to cook and then clean. It's like madness. Now it's like, Rachel, pet, dishwasher, please. And they're like, you know, like, it's okay, I'm making you. One day, cause they know how to do laundry, they can cook. Yesterday, Rachel made French toast for all of us and Hope made eggs for all of us. That's amazing. I can get used to this. I'm just raising them up so I can release them to be incredible people in society. But in God's house and in God's family, there is family rules too. And there's so much about it in scripture. We find it literally everywhere from cover to cover, but Romans 12, Romans 13, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5, 1 Corinthians 12. You see, in God's family, we follow God's rules, his word. There, there is a protection. In God's family, we protect the family. We protect the family from wolves, from division, from gossip. We have grace for each other. 
Ephesians 4, chapter 1 through 3 talks about this whole thing. We eat meals with each other. We celebrate each other. At Church Alive, we speak the same language. We have a language of faith, not of defeat. We have a language of life. We respect the authority of the house. There is discipline in the house. We don't love discipline, but the Bible tells us that who the Lord loves, he disciplines. We need discipline to correct us, to prune us, to teach us. We have responsibilities in this house. We get to serve. We don't have to. We get to. We get to make room for more people to be adopted into the family of God. There comes a point in time where Hopi was no longer a baby and she had to learn to load the dishwasher. There was a point in time where Hopi wasn't a baby and she had to learn to put the clothes in the hamper and not on her floor, bless God. There comes a time when we understand we get to take a part of what prepares our house for more adoptions. We get to be a part of it. Ephesians talks in verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We all have our part to play here in the family of God. In this house we serve because it's what makes us great. In this house we serve because we wanna see others adopted into the family of God. In this house, every Sunday, we're expecting guests into our home and we gotta do our best to honor and receive these guests because we want them in the family of God. It's why we can't stay in this building. We've gotta stretch in faith. We gotta believe for miraculous provision, a miraculous building because we need to keep reaching people who are far from God, who have not been reconciled to God yet. We want more families to say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We want to see more freedom in households, salvation in households. Oh, we can't stay here much longer. Are you a leader? Have you been serving for some time? Maybe you may be entrusted with some more in the upcoming months. Your yes means more can be adopted into the family of God. You know how many people come to me and Anthony and they always say thank you for your yes. Even this past week, Mario said the same thing. He's like, Pastor Miriam, thank you for your yes. But the truth of the matter, it's not just Anthony and I, it's our leaders, our pastors, our service leaders who are starting next week. Their yes is what enables us to keep adding to the family of God. We don't serve when it's convenient. We serve because we're part of a family that's growing. His kingdom is advancing and he calls us co-laborers with him. As God's family, we aren't consumers in his house. We are co-laborers of his kingdom. And you can come to this church for the rest of your life and not serve a day and that's totally fine. You can come to this church for the rest of your life and not give a penny and that's totally fine. You can come to this church and not join a transform group for the rest of your life, that's fine. But you will not experience all that you can when it means to be planted in a house, the community, the life, the encouragement, the hard times, you will be given. I'll tell you something funny. I promise you, you'll get lots of opportunities to forgive people because you'll get hurt, people will offend you. And that's all right. You gotta be like Jesus and learn to forgive them just like you're forgiven every day. Isn't that funny? Oh, that person offended me. Well, we offend God almost every day, bro, so take a chill. Aren't we so hypocritical? Well, that person talked to me like that. Well, I mean, I'm sure you did the same thing at one point. 
We have an opportunity to carry weight in his house. I don't know how your household is, but my kids, they're gonna be a part of the Fleming household. They gotta carry some weight too. They gotta learn some responsibility. There's a part because we're the Fleming family. We're not consumers, we're co-laborers, the word of God says. So we have an opportunity to respond to this. Whether you've not been adopted into the family of God yet today, I wanna invite those people who have not yet received Jesus as Lord and Savior, who have not yet received the inheritance that he has died to give us. If that is you, oh my word, it would be the greatest honor of my life to invite you into the family of God so that you can be co-heir of the inheritance that he has left for us. Perhaps the next step, if you are already a part of God's family and you don't serve yet, get on a dream team like ASAP, text grow seven, I think it is, to 97,000. We have so many text codes. Maybe it's getting a transform group because you need to grow, because you need to be plugged in in community and discipled. Maybe it's into Thrive because you're new, like you just got adopted into the family. You don't even know what we fully believe yet. You don't even know who the leaders are yet. Get into Thrive. When you sign those adoption papers, there's so much in there to understand. Come understand who we are and why we do what we do. There's 60 people right now in Thrive downstairs. <laughs> Friend, I don't know what your family experience was growing up, but God's family is beautiful, not perfect at all. We are flawed because we're here. He's perfect, we're not. I mean, hello. The parkway, no, just kidding but we're loved and we have purpose and we have mission and our inheritance is eternal. Our inheritance is rich and never runs out. As God's family, we have access to the Father and to feast from his table. Don't be so caught up in the things of this world that you forget that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is our exceedingly great reward. You and I have been adopted and that is an amazing thing to know we're part of God's family. Can we stand to our feet? Did you receive the word today? I wanna make an invitation right now in the last service, every Sunday actually. Every, I think last week, correct me if I'm wrong, we saw 120 people give their life to Christ. Is that right? 131? 131 people gave their life to Christ last week. That's a lot. 72 people got baptized last week. That's a lot. And today, right now, in this moment, you have an opportunity, whether you're online, whether you're in the overflow, to be a part of God's family. Not just being someone God created, but now receiving the invitation, becoming his family, and receiving the inheritance. I don't know about you, but I would run at that invitation. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're in here today and you're saying to me, Pastor Miriam, I don't really know what it all looks like, but I want to put my hope and my trust and my faith in Jesus. I want to be grafted into the family of God. If that's you, would you lift up your hand just so I could see it? I would love the opportunity to pray for you. Yep, I see those hands there all across this room. I see those hands, I see those hands. If that's you, yep, I see your hand over here. I'm gonna, let's do this. Put your hands down because I'm having a hard time seeing you all. On the count of three, 
we're gonna do it all together. Those who wanna place your faith in Jesus, I want you to lift it up real high so I could see it and I wanna pray for you on the count of three. Ready, all together. One, two, three. Raise your hands nice and high for placing your faith in Jesus today. That's amazing, yep. I see your hands, I see your hands all throughout there, all throughout in the back there. Yep, here in the front, that's awesome, sweetheart. Yep, I see your hands, I see your hands right here, this man here. Yep, all those guys in the back there, in the middle there. Yep, that's incredible. You can put your hands down. We're gonna pray this prayer together. And this prayer is just a simple way of acknowledging our need and of our Savior and our Lord and just saying thank you for inviting me into the family, God. All together, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you that he gave his life for us. And today, I place my faith in you. I ask you for the forgiveness of sins. I thank you for the inheritance you're giving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together for those people who gave their life for Jesus?